Hello and welcome to the Bite Size Gaming Podcast, the podcast that's serving up a buffet of RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach, and the hosts joining me this evening are John Christian and our special guest, Ray. How's everybody doing? Doing good. Good evening. Fantastic. Glad to be here. Awesome. Uh, We're really excited to have Ray on the uh, podcast today. She has a uh, brand new uh, product live on Kickstarter that we are really uh, we're really interested to talk with her about. Um, it's called Titan Home. It's a new setting for Fifth Edition, um, and we've uh, loaded her up with a bunch of questions beforehand. And uh, Ray, I'm just really excited to dive into those here in just a minute. Um, uh, but let's give a little teaser. Can you give us like an elevator pitch here at the beginning for what Titan Home might be? Titan Home is basically, it's this post-apocalyptic world where it's kind of like every man, woman, and child for themselves, but it's got this interesting mix of magic and technology. So, um, basically the civilization that fell prior to, uh, had all of this in-depth technology and artificial intelligence. And so like these remnants of the past remain and the current civilization kind of picks it up and kind of repurposes it, fixes it up and um, kind of infuses it with a little bit of magic. And you kind of have this interesting mix. That's, that's my favorite type of uh, like <laughs> future sci-fi setting where we're, uh, the future is now in the past and the the relics are are more advanced in the current state of things so really exciting um well we're going to dive more fully into titan home here in just a minute uh but before we do that we're going to dive into our dessert uh course we always eat our dessert first here at the bite size gaming podcast and these are our uh uh Little tidbits, news articles, new projects that we've uh, seen crop up over the last week or so. We kind of gather all of those together and we present them uh, as a main dish. Uh, and let's see, I've got one. Tro- uh, John, you've got a couple and then mm-hmm. Ray has one. So we'll just go in order here. Um, the first thing that I have on the docket is um, uh, another uh, Kickstarter that I've been that I've backed. It's called Into the Fae. Have either one of you uh, had a chance to look at that? I did. It looks, looks really yes, interesting. Yes, I've seen that one. Cool. Yeah. It's really interesting. Um, uh, Into the Fae is a 5e module um, for levels 1 to 5. It kind of, of course, centers around the Fae Wild and, and uh, that sort of – and the Fae creatures and things of that note. Um, what I really like about this one – is it has a very traditional feel. Um, and as we move further and further away from the traditional, like, uh, pre-3.5 um, era, um, it's more and more rare that we see a product that is presented in this way, at least on my end. Um but this product is put out by um, the DM Layer, which is a uh, Twitch stream and YouTube channel, and uh, they've got quite a few followers. And I believe, though, that this is their first Kickstarter. 
Yes, absolutely. It's their first. They're at $49,000 as, as of this recording. So that's uh, that's wow. what having a big... Yeah, great. Uh, that's a great first outing. Yep. No yep. kidding. Yeah, they're, they're, if I'm, if I'm right, I believe that they have just in the tens, if not hundreds of thousands of followers on um, YouTube and the like. So that's, that's a chunk, I'm sure, of where they're getting their backers. They've got a thousand backers right now. Um, But anyhow, uh, I'm always up for a little uh, adventure module, especially one that, um, kind of knows the space that it's playing in and is very, very direct in its approach. And a lot of my current players right now really like the Feywild. So <laughs> if this book is going to help me make them happy, um, then I'm about it. So, Yeah, I like this. I like the the first through fifth level focus mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right. If, yeah, if you look at the outline with a lot of the maps that they've got and some of the art pieces that they've chosen... It does have that old school feel. It's that AD and D and second edition feel to it, which is pretty neat to see that. You're right. It's it's kind of a I say it's a dying art. I mean, it's it's really it's nostalgia for some for those of us that have played it for a while. So this is uh, this is scratching that itch for me. Mm-hmm. I really like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a good find. I like also. I'll, I can't go without saying that um, the artwork that they present is really nice. Um, there's a piece. For a soul spawn, which looks like maybe some sort of plant-based creature, which I'm always a sucker for, um, and it, it's it's got lots of vibrant colors as you would expect for the Feywild. The art style is really nice. Um, so, and then the cover art that they're presenting is also very retro, uh, uh, very detailed illustration. Um, and I like that you know, as well. Something to land on this on the soul spawn. If, if this is a really good indicator, because it's not just a single creature that mm-hmm. you're getting. It looks like to me they don't have it all fleshed out, obviously. But in the the one pager that they give for it, there are one, two, three, four, five different CR leveled creatures. So different variants and flavors on this on a, a soul spawn. The larval form versus the extractor, the spitter, the drone. And then the hive mother, which is nice to see that array. There's a, there's a lot you can play with there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so you can get um, the PDF of the book for twenty five dollars, and you can get the hardcover for forty bucks plus shipping. Um, and I think uh, based on what they're presenting so far, I think that's probably a reasonable deal. I think I saw somewhere that it's about a hundred and twenty pages or so right now. Um, probably looks like it's expanding with stretch goals. So mm-hmm. not a massive, massive book, but I kind of don't want, it always makes me a little bit nervous. Um, especially in adventure writing when the first, when your first product right out the gate is, you know, a 400 page level one to 15 adventure. Um, so I like that they're kind of containing themselves, like you said, John, to, to level one to five. Yeah. I think it's smart. Yep. Cool. Uh, so that is Into the Fae. It'll be in the show notes. Uh, John, you got a couple things here. Roll, roll through those with us. I do. All right. So one that hit me today, this is hot off the press at least, uh, They are the Roll20 is my virtual tabletop of choice, mm-hmm. and it is for a lot of those out there. Uh, something that it just kind of hit me out of nowhere, they're doing their own convention in October. <laughs> So Roll20Con is coming to a virtual tabletop near you and a virtual space the 23rd, 24th, and 25th of October. And it is a charity event where they're raising money 
uh, in partnership with Code 2040, <clears throat> which is an organization that's dedicated to ending racial disparity in the tech tech sector and the tech industry. Um, and it looks like they're showcasing Burn Bright, which is we've uh, a friend of the friend of the show, uh, James James and Tricasso, um, uh helped them uh, put together. And so they're they're using that as a showcase model, but it's they're supposed to run the gamut of uh, of the games that are available that you can play on the uh, on the platform. So uh, there's really not a ton more than that right now that I'm seeing. I've, I've dug around quite a bit and didn't really see exactly all of the gritty details of what they were going to offer, but I am very interested to find out more and see how the a virtual tabletop um, platform runs its own convention. Now, it's be really interesting to see. Do you feel like this is kind of maybe in response to uh, Fantasy Grounds? Uh, um, it's even more than a con, but it's that that um, monthly yeah. uh, uh, organized play that they they they've released in the last week. Is this kind of maybe the Roll Twenty follow up to that? You if think? It, if it wasn't, um, it I now. would be shocked. Yeah I'd, <laughs> yeah, I'd be I'd be shocked. You know, it's, it's like they they're the first salvo. Came from Fantasy Grounds. Roll twenty has to retort, or uh, or they're going to look like they're sleeping at the wheel. That's for sure. So this is good. I think that competition's good between between organizations. Um, as long as the spirit stays positive, we'll see what happens. <laughs> but um, I think Roll twenty. I mean, honestly, they they have been f- pretty passive mm-hmm. in the space. They've they've kind of rested on what they're good at and they, they promoted the, the product and the things that are tied to it, but they haven't, it looks like at, at least seemingly they hadn't really expanded out into that space. And I think this is smart. Again, this is, not only will it showcase burn bright, I'd like to see them actually showcase the full capability of, of the platform. Um, mm. It may be, you know, their way of, you know, kind of flexing on, uh, on fantasy grounds a little bit to show what they can do versus what the, uh, what fantasy grounds can or cannot. So it'll be interesting to see it uh, roll out for sure. I think the thing that's that is interesting for me though is that there's no there is still a separation where there's a direct tie-in in the monthly aspect with Fantasy Grounds and Adventurers League. Mm-hmm. We still don't see that in Roll Twenty. There at least nothing that I've seen in the in the sphere mm-hmm. so far. So that is definitely an interesting there's a lack there, right? I haven't seen anything yeah. Adventurers League related pop up and promoting this or saying that there would be a presence there, which I think might be a miss, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. It would be a miss, in my opinion. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's uh, cool. We'll keep an eye on it. Yep. The other one is is an actual product. Um, so I love. Uh, ever since I was a kid, uh, I loved the story of Peter Pan. Actually, my uh, my grandmother <laughs> would read the book to me before I actually watched the movie. So whenever I watched the movie, it was uh, very very different. And I was the one weird kid in the in the theater uh, that was like that was upset but it, it didn't it didn't pan out like that like that's not in the book you know so i was that i was that that kid obviously the really annoying kid in the front that was yelling at the screen saying that that's wrong <laughs> um but uh and it's and it's an interesting it's a very it's an interesting direction or for somebody to choose but uh andrews mcneil publishing is um uh they're they're publishing a neverland 5e uh built uh rpg or campaign setting Hmm. Uh, and so wow. expl- you explore the Isle of Mischief and Mystery. You could be <laughs> a pirate. You could be one of the one of the lost boys. You could be a mermaid, or et cetera, et cetera. So it's it's um, I mean, it's like you know, kids at play, That's, which is all we really are. What all we're really doing when we're playing these games in the first place. So uh, it'll be it's uh, there's a special connection to this 
uh, th- that I kind of I have where there's a special place in my heart for it. So I'm really rooting for it. Uh, I purchased it uh, a couple of days ago. I'm actually going to get a physical copy. Uh, and yeah. uh, so I'm really excited to get it in my hands. I did. I did not. I actually forewent or forsook the uh, the the e copy just so that I could have that tactile <laughs> experience from, from when I was a kid. It just didn't seem right to to read uh, through anything Neverland related uh, electronically. I'll probably go back and and get it anyway. But uh, it's really neat. And uh, there's um, the artwork is. Oh, it's it's beautiful. It's illustrated oh, it is, by a children's book artist yeah. so that's yeah. interesting it's it definitely it definitely like just looking at it here it's got like a it's it's def i dare i say it this is the first printed setting for 5e that is pitched towards a very young audience yes, yes. yeah but that's great they're absolutely. attracting new players you know younger players absolutely right. yeah and everybody ever there people have dabbled at least what i've from what i've seen people have dabbled into uh, a younger audience, um, you know, either simplifying the rules or streamlining streamlining the five E mechanic or other rule sets to uh, to cater more towards a younger audience to make it a little bit simpler, faster, and easier to get into. But I'm really curious to see how that's going to pan out in this. Um, they've definitely leaned very very heavily on a more youthful uh, art art style, but it looks I love it. I love the art style. Oh, it's the yeah. it's very stylized. And very cartoony, or like you know, Zach. Like, to your point, it looks like a children's book. It was written out of, uh, ri- or drawn for a children's book. I love mm-hmm. it. Limited art palette, which is always nice, uh, yep. and something like this that kind of gives it its own personality. Don't see well, that and, very often. And it feels like an older book with that. When it mm-hmm. when they go monochromatic, or they just go really mm-hmm. really simple on the color palette, very like it's the not blended colors, right? Um, it's really, classic, right? Yep. Yes, exactly. Right, it feels like a like Neverland. If if at the time in the time period, mm-hmm. had, uh, if if RPGs were a thing, this might be something that uh, that came out in in, in tandem <laughs> or in parallel with it. Yeah, I love it. Very cool. Well, you you you've you've suckered me into another one, John. Yes. Um, <laughs> this will this will be on my shelf. It releases in October, according to Amazon. Yes. Um, so if yep. you if you order it now, at least via a major publication like that you're probably going to wait about a month yeah uh, good that's that's fair I, I i should i should have prefaced that i ordered it quote unquote but it's um it's in if it, it was a pre-order yeah cool awesome well thanks for bringing that to our attention that's definitely something that i had not was not aware of um ray you got you got a little a little plug for somebody i do um this is kind of just uh a friend, if you will, but I just got it tonight. It's kind of a sneak peek, if you will. Oh. So it's just a draft. So it's not even out there on Kickstarter yet. Um, but this is from, I believe it's a uh, limitless adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called, they came at night and basically it's a fifth edition for third level characters. Um, and the description is basically the party is abducted by aliens crash land on a distant planet and must find a way back home. Um, I don't know about you, but that kind of sounds kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, and I'm a I'm 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 a sucker for what John tells me to buy, but I'm also a sucker for what Andy makes and Limitless Adventures. So I know um, <laughs> uh, he's, he's that's okay. I, th- does that make that makes me the the the, uh, the Zach to your Troy? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Well, we don't know a whole lot. I kind of saw the same message as you did, Ray, but uh, that piqued my interest, and it's brand new, so uh, I think we'll probably see a real true announcement. But we've talked about this on the show before. Limitless Adventures does like a, a two-week um, Kickstarter run, which makes it very difficult to hype them beforehand on a podcast. Um, but but uh, we'll do it this time. So uh, keep your eyes peeled. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, hey, uh, that is our Community Pulse dessert round uh, for this evening. Let's move on to our main course. And uh, our main course tonight centers around Ray and Titanholm. Um, Again, Ray, really excited to have you. Um, Andy, actually, um, uh, kind of pointed me your direction uh, uh, about a week or so ago and uh, pointed me towards your product um and it, you you uh anything 5em interested in and like you like we talked about during the elevator pitch um that like weird post-apocalyptic sci-fi fantasy setting is one of my favorites so um that 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 got me reeled in real quick um and i thought you know what we need to get her on and chat about uh how this project came to be and uh, get the word out about it as much as we can. Absolutely. So, uh, Ray, tell us a little bit about yourself first. Uh, what are your, uh, what's, what's your background? Uh, my background is I am a fantasy science fiction author. Um, I have currently seven published works and several others in the pipeline. I like to keep multiple projects rolling at, at a time. Um, I guess I can add to the list award-winning author Ooh. because I did win an award for um, one of my science fiction books on Tuesday evening. And a, and a Thank you. And a first place for a middle grade fantasy book on Wednesday night. I was supposed wow. to find out about these things back in April. But the convention <laughs> got canceled. And so now it was rescheduled to be virtual. It's been rescheduled many times. So mm -hmm. I finally found out I won first place in science fiction category and middle grade fantasy. Uh, Sunday, I will find out if I win the whole thing. So Whoa. I'm kind of excited. Flex yeah. That <laughs> yeah. Nice. Dang. I now now I'm super intimidated. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. So uh, that's really cool. We've never had a a novelist uh, uh, on our show before. That's really exciting, and um, and that definitely is a pedigree that should lend well to world building and and creating a setting for for 5e um, I'm certainly hoping so <laughs> yeah so how did that how did that marriage come about how did what did that transition where did the idea come from uh, to to say uh, let's set the novel down for half a moment or, or 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 maybe not even set it down like you said have juggle another plate and uh, yeah and do a setting how did that happen well I started I had put gaming down for a while. There were things in my life I kind of had to push pause on that. And so I kind of brought that back into my life. And as I did that, I started regularly attending Gen Con. And I decided uh, I got really excited about a certain setting, and I'm not going to mention it. And I decided, <laughs> you know what, I'm going to run 
modules at Gen Con for this, uh, this company. And so I did that for four years in this certain setting. And whenever it started out, it was, everybody was excited about this setting and my tables filled up in the matter of, you know, 10 minutes of the events going live. I mean, people were just eating this stuff up, Mm. but there wasn't any new material being generated for that setting. And Mm. so as, you know, first, second year was pretty easy. Third year, I kind of had to go off book and start to say, okay, I'm going to look at this world and I'm going to start creating kind of my own content. Um, And so I had these four years worth of these modules and people loved to play them. um, But then I needed, I wanted to do something with them, but I couldn't make them work in the space that they were originally designed for. I couldn't get a license to Mm. print um, under that uh, gaming system. So I said, you know what, what the heck, I'm going to convert this to uh, fifth edition and move forward with it that way. I mean, I've already play tested the storyline. So all I need to do is, you know, convert over to the fifth edition rules. The basic story is already there. Awesome. So, so that's a really that there's several p- components of that 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 fascinate me. Um, obviously, we'll 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 leave the 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 game that you that you left by the yeah, wayside names, out of it. No yeah, names. yeah, no. <laughs> um, um, but why why fifth edition? Why take it to that? Um, is was there something that kind of struck you there, or or um, what was your well, mindset? I always I got started in gaming with um, second edition. Dungeons and Dragons. So I guess that was kind of always home base for me. Um, But it seemed like the logical choice in being that most people are familiar with that system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a fair assessment. I mean, they're not making a a Peter Pan book for, um, Oh, for powered by the apocalypse or something. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. and I think if you're if you're trying to get somebody to buy a product, like for me, I haven't written a lot of professional adventures and published them. So for me to sell something and say, "Hey, I created all these mechanics, and you're going to have to learn an entirely new system and take a risk on buying this product from me, and you may or may not like it." as opposed to, hey, this is something you already know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's people are more open to that. Yeah, mm-hmm. they definitely they definitely can be, um, and it definitely. I think I think anytime you slap five E on something, um, you're going to have that wider audience um, just Absolutely. by default. Um, they're definitely you know we we talked about on the show some some different smaller RPGs like dead halt that have their, you know, their rabid fan base or their followings. And that can feel like a really nice cozy community. But if you're wanting to sell the thing, <laughs> if you're yeah. wanting to, if you're, if you're wanting to, uh, make any amount of money on it, then, then you, you kind of have to at least f- offer some things out to the masses. So, Yes. Interesting. So yes. uh, you said you started with uh, with second edition. So do you have like do you have a moment or a memory, uh, something that uh, kind of locked you into 
D and D or RPGs in general, and kept it uh, popping back up in your life? I think I I always go back to like that first campaign that I had, um, second edition. Now I started a little bit later. Um, a lot of my friends started in high school. But in high school and being a girl, not a lot of mm. the guys invited me to the D&D table in high school. But oh, yeah. in college, Blue. that kind of changed. So I kind of found a group. I kind of fell into it that, you know, they were very helpful in teaching me how to, uh, how to play. And I remember I played a paladin, which probably isn't the easiest character to start with. <laughs> um, the great ones, yeah. Uh, but it is, it was, it was like this epic character. And I think we played, I think we were like 18th level. So it was oh. an epic. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's awesome. It was just this epic adventure. And she was just tearing things up. Um, so I think that really stuck in my mind. And oh, I yeah. always kind of think back on that initial campaign that I started with. You know, I, I keep hearing this, the tales of like girls not allowed or like girls <laughs> getting the vibe from, from guys in high school. I don't know about anybody else out there, but from, from myself and my group, we would have stumbled all over. We would have looked like idiots doing it. Let's, let's be, <laughs> let's be frank here. Okay. We would have looked like boobs had we invited any girls or if girls actually showed up to our table. So I'm not saying that we'd be super classy about it, but I mean, we'd be yeah. excited and no one would turn them down. It's like, oh, you want to play the Dungeons and the Dragons? Well, then, <laughs> sister, let me show you where you sign up. And here's a pamphlet that you can read in the meantime. So that's all, it's sure a shocker to me my- whenever I hear those tales. I'm sure most of my guy friends in high school probably would have been the same way, but it's like that awkward social phase where I think that maybe they would have asked, they were just kind of too embarrassed to do it or just didn't feel comfortable doing it. Or maybe that was just their guy time and they didn't, I don't know. I don't know. I I love it. That's it is a, it is a treat. Well, whenever I started, when I came out of high school, it's kind of the same thing, right? When you get into college or I was, when I was in the service, I played with a lot of different people. When you start introducing different people other than just your regular dudes to a, to the table, the dynamic yeah. changes so much. So anyway, not just get too stuck on on that one topic, but I mean, like that's always a shocker for me. So I'm glad that but thank you for for making it through the wasteland. To no, the other there is there is this stigma though yeah. that um, the gaming industry doesn't make you know women feel welcome. I can honestly say I've never felt unwelcome. I've That's never good. had a situation awesome. where I've never felt unwelcome in that space. And mm-hmm. um, so not to say that it doesn't happen to people, because I'm sure we all know there's a lot of different people out of there, out there, but um, sure. I've never had a terrible experience. So everybody's been very inviting. Well, that's awesome. That's good. Well, yep. Good for you, community. Um, it's nice to hear that positivity. Um, Put makes one, me feel in, one in the wind column. Yeah. <laughs> it is one. And I always try to say that, too, because I just really think that sometimes gamers get lumped into that category. And I really I game with all men. I think I'm the only female gamer in our gaming group. And we have a regular tabletop stream that we do. Mm-hmm. And I've never I've never had an issue. Great, That's great. Awesome. So let's let's um let's 
Man, we we could chat about that for I know because I, I have so many oh, things man, that I want to touch on. That. Yeah, I know. Um, we could do it another time. Oh, you yes, can have exactly. No, no. When 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 you're back for round two, we'll 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 do a whole episode on that. Um, okay. But let's talk about Titan Home for a minute because um, sure. uh, I have a lot of questions. Um, but first and foremost, let's just kind of dive into. Um, so you kind of touched on the fact that. Um, you had these modules that you couldn't get approval to print under a under uh, a pre-existing banner, so you decided, well, maybe I'll just make my own banner. Um, yeah. Is that kind of the formation of Titan Home um, in its entirety, or was there other pieces that went into that pie? No, there were other pieces that went into that. I mean, I kind of had this vision of what that world um, would be like, and I. I had already been kind of drawing maps and kind of hashing out uh, different areas and some ideas. Part of the idea that I wanted early on was that I wanted to make this a very morally ambiguous world. And the fact that I didn't want it to be that classic good versus evil. So right out of the gate, no alignment. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it really is kind of people make decisions based on their own survival. All right. I got you. It's kind yeah. of a Mad Maxian sort of a feel a in that bit. way. Yeah. And of course, there are cities that have crude leadership structures and, you know, there are leadership figures, there are religions, there are, you know, those mm -hmm. types of things. But there really isn't any true law of the land. I see. Interesting. It's very can be very fleeting. So right out of the gate, I was like, that would I, I just I guess I get held up on the good versus evil thing. Hmm. Um, a lot of my books focus on a duality, not necessarily a good or an evil, but maybe finding that gray area somewhere in between. Okay. I mean, you, you went from paladin to like the the uh, the uh, herald <laughs> of all that is good and virtuous to like dead in the middle with the gray. That's a that's an interesting transition with your like. So, so what is it that, that draws you to that amb ambiguity? What is what is it that's fascinating? Is it but the fact that it's not this binary good or evil? And there's like you tell me what uh, what is it that draws you towards that as a as a creator and as a designer. Um, I think I gravitate towards it because I have a firm belief like of not not necessarily labeling everything. Um, I in college read uh, the Tao Te Ching, which kind of focused on that duality and the realization that like you have to have opposites in the world to have the middle ground. So like, so you wouldn't have beauty if there wasn't ugly in the world, there would be nothing to compare it to. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. um, and so and on I, and so forth. Same thing with good and evil. If you didn't have evil in the world, there'd be no good, you know, there'd be no comparison to it. So there has to be Second this to duality to everything. Mm-hmm. So, so for you, um, you know, doing this, um, 
bleak, we'll call it bleak, uh, or, or, yeah. or, or, um, kind of neutral gray setting allows you to kind of highlight the, the moments of beauty or the moments of heroism or the moments of, uh, whatever, maybe a little bit more, or is that, or do you kind of, is in this world, are those stifled as well? I think it kind of highlights the decisions that the characters make. Gotcha. Interesting. So, so what, how do you feel that, um, as a, as a sci-fi product that is in, in, in fantasy sci-fi, um, you're already kind of setting yourself one step apart from a lot of the fifth edition crowd, but what makes Titan home its own beast? Uh, what do you think it makes it original? I think part of the originality is going to come from number one, not having the alignment. Um, I think that uh, I see a lot of characters that fall into that. You know, I have to play this lawful good or I have to play this chaotic and taking it to an extreme. Um, but then I think it also has this really neat underlying technology to it. Okay. Um, the new, I created a new player class, which uh -huh. is called a remnant. And basically it is an Android. It can look like any race. So you could have an Android that's a, an elf, a dwarf, a, a orc, a, you know, whatever it might be. It looks just like a normal human or whatever race it is, but it's actually a machine underneath. So, it gets some additional kind of, you know, super strength powers, uh, uh, enhanced eyes, some cybernetics types types of uh, features to it, um, which I think really makes it almost like that jack of all trades player class. Okay, that's interesting. So, so, so is this class that's a really interesting idea this class is also kind of a race kind of it's on all in one package is that the is that the idea but you kind of can reskin it in a way to kind of have a different appearance based on what you imagine your character looking like correct Enter. Mm -hmm. cool cool yeah that's so now, is, it, is it its own separate race or is it a template that you put over a race and that, like where it, it's actually it, in order for me to make this work I kind of had to, I moved, I don't know how to explain this. I moved the um, ability modifiers for the races. I uh -huh. kind of took those out and moved them to classes. So it's more mm. class-based and not race-based. So really you could play any race in any class. Gotcha. gotcha. Okay, that's awesome. So I thought it would be neat to have like, if you wanted to play like an orc shaman or a crazy halfling barbarian, you know, <laughs> you could get some of these really neat um, character creations out of that, which allowed for the neutral um, skin of the, uh, the remnant to fit in there as well. So yeah. I guess that makes it very unique. That... It's kind of retooling that. That's interesting. Yeah, I like I like that idea. Um, you're definitely like um, in the fact that you're you're putting that out. You're you're in line with uh, you know. I think the way that the industry is or the 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 system is going to go 
uh, later in this year or into next year, we're going to see a lot of products coming out with uh, ability scores being moved from races to classes or some other thing. Um, so, Which uh, is another reason why it made it um, a good time for yeah. me to move forward with this because it was already kind of set up to be that way anyway. And I was like, well, now's the time to do that, you oh, know? Yeah. So it just kind of, it kind of fit. Interesting. So um, that, that, I don't know why, but that led me to the idea or my, the, to the question, what, how, what sorts of adventures can, can one get up to in Titanholm? Is this kind of a survival game? Is it a swashbuckling? Is it a, like an epic? What, how, what do you it's imagine? It's an epic adventure. It's okay. an epic adventure. Um, so the adventure is set up to the hook is basically there's something wrong with the magic of Titan home, which is tied to the cat, the shattering, which is kind of what caused this post-apocalyptic caused the previous civilization civilization to crash. So this brought forth magic and um, the source of magic seems to be tainted Um and so things start to go wildly sideways in this world as it pertains to magic. And so the quest, uh, this epic quest, is kind of to figure out why this is happening uh, to the magic on Titan Home. And there are all kinds of super fun adventures along the way. Um, one of the I think the premier locations that I think players will have a lot of fun with is Fortune's Coast, which is kind of a, it's basically a pirate town. So it changes factions. Like there's all of these pirate factions and basically whoever has the money rules the town. And so it's like, it's completely lawless. It's a very dangerous place. You have these gangs of pirates. Um, they also have these really interesting ships that, you know, they just regular pirate ships. But the cool thing about these pirate ships is that they have mechanisms where they can deploy balloons and become dirigibles so they can move from water to air. And so you could have a water battle that then moves to the air. That's cool. That's great. I love it. Um, yeah. So, so, so one thing kind of stuck out to me, uh, man, just a thread after thread, we're getting down a rabbit trail here, but that's fine. Um, so, so content wise, you mentioned an adventure, what, but, 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 uh, the, the product as a whole is being pitched as a, a campaign setting. So what could, what can, if somebody picks up your book, what, and they open it up and they look at the table of contents, what sort of things are they going to see there? Well, first of all, they're going to see kind of a layout of the key points in the world, like the um, some of the bigger cities, some of the more interesting areas, um, such as uh, the Glasslands, which is basically where this big cataclysmic event hit the surface of Titan home. It was a desert and due to the immense heat, it actually turned the desert to glass. Mm. And so that's kind of an interesting space. It's very mystical. It's very magical. It's kind of a holy land for those that, uh, that uh, practice magic in Titan home. Um, 
you've got areas like there's a place called the Hell Pit, which is basically a gladiatorial arena where um, either uh, engineers can pit machine against machine and kind of like, you know, like the robot wars kind of thing. Uh-huh. Or, um, you know, two barbarians can get into the uh, the ring and hash it out. Or a, ma- a magic user can summon monsters for, you know, people to fight for others' entertainment in this ring. You've got the whole Fortune's Coast, which is basically, you know, this pirate town and there's islands off of the coast. It's basically sunken ruins from the previous civilization that is full of all kinds of treasures, um, both whether it's gold, gems, or technology. Um, There's also an, an area where they actually mine what is basically the batteries that power the technology on Titan Home. It's called Voltrum. And so you have uh, kind of these mining districts and this Voltrum almost becomes, you know, more valuable than gold because there's only so much of it there. Um, And it is the only thing that they know of that powers this old technology. So there's a lot of things that you can, I mean, this is a big sandbox. You can do a lot in this world. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Let me ask you this: What um, when you're making the transition from from writing a book, you've got big beginning, middle, and end, to creating, fleshing out the world, and then laying that out in a way that's pal- palatable to the reader? What's the what are the challenges that you ended up seeing making the transition from one form of media, or if it's the same form of media, but from one um, type of writing to the other? Well, you know, I think the biggest challenge has been, you know, as a writer, you always kind of want to have that that secret or that twist kind of in your back pocket. But in the when you're laying out the world build and you're kind of uh, writing the adventure, you kind of have to clue that uh, DM in on, you know, what's going on. So you almost have to, I feel like I'm spoiling the, <laughs> the secrets sometimes. And that's a challenge because in my writing, I've always, you know, you have to come up with creative ways to reveal things very slowly over time. And this is more to the point, Mm -hmm. I guess, and more direct. So I have to go about it just a a little differently so that it, it makes sense. I don't want, I don't want somebody to run an adventure and be two or three pages in and then say, Oh yeah, I get, I see what they were doing here. You know, you kind of got to set them up to begin with. So. Hmm. Your your insight is shockingly timely. In the last (laughs) podcast that we had, we were talking about good adventure design. And part of the the things, one of the, one of the things that came out of that was that you can't breadcrumb trail the dungeon master into what you want to do. You have to, you have to just like put it right out front. It's like, look, this is it. This is the purpose. You have to just say. Yeah, this is the win condition. And then the rest of it is just fleshing out the detail of how you get to that point. Like there's a couple of places in there where I just have to say the players are not meant to win this fight. They're meant to run away. (laughs) So that the DM knows that because it's supposed to drive them into something else. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Or they come back yep. to it later, you know, but you just got to come out and you got to say it to the, you're talking to the DM. 
You're not talking to the players. You're not spoiling anything for the players. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But in order for the dungeon master to be able to create that story, he needs the full, he or she needs the full picture of the story. Yeah. And so I guess that's, that's the challenge for me. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm just now kind of realizing how difficult or frust I would say frustrating maybe it is to to be a must be to be a novel writer and to have have the reins of the story and and be able to hit the beats when you feel they need to be hit and then to transition to a to an adventure writing where that is never going to happen the way you want it to for the person no. who's going to read it, right? There's never going to be a person that mm-hmm. reads it to get the to, to because they want to be surprised by the twist there or the the reveal or the 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 interesting encounter, epic fight or whatever. Like the person who is every person that reads your adventure doesn't want to be surprised. They want to be like, how do I do this? How can I, I surprise? It's like one step removed from the thing that you've, that, you know, I, uh, being married to a writer, um, that's the thing that you're chasing is that excitement and that build and that yes. dramatic. It's like, nope, you need <laughs> to remove all that and just let your DM figure out how to do it on their own. <laughs> you know, you can give suggestions. Like there's, you know, there's a couple places where it's like, well, I could see, cut this going a couple of different ways and you just kind of have to communicate that to whoever's you know running the story that really and reminding them that really ultimately the storytelling is up to the dm the the adventure really is i mean it's the the bare bones of the story but i mean if your players are going to make interesting choices if they're going to get creative as i'm i'm a believer that as a dm you should you should let those magical moments happen and kind of you know you can you can work within the parameters of the story and still make it exciting and original for your table mm. right well, when you're when you're detailing this out when you're you're fleshing it out for the dm are you what how are you what is your bread? What is the bread? The post breadcrumb trail look like for you? You know, you've already you give them. Like, here's the MacGuffin. Here's the win condition. This is the thing that they're supposed to do. How do you? Uh, what's your way of fortifying and building up the DM and say, look, this is how I'm going to empower you with the story. How do you deliver that to them in a way that's compelling and that's helpful to them? Do you feel? Well, I kind of do it in segments. I mean, I know a lot of adventures, kind of, um, and even with the. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Wizards of the Coast kind of sets things up in a chapter format. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like they have a chapter and then they have like, you know, four scenes within that chapter. Um, I kind of set mine. I, I mean, they obviously know what they're doing. So I kind of set mine up the same and it works for me because I'm a writer. So mm-hmm. here's my chapter. I have like four little, you know, adventures or, or sub quests within this chapter. Um, so I kind of give a overview of what's going to happen in this little sub what's the overall on the chapter, then each sub chapter. And then I provide, um, the details, room descriptions, maps, and all of that, um, for the, uh, dungeon master to follow, uh, going forward. Interesting. Cool. That's great. Well, um, let's see. 
as we're kind of drawing this to a close here, again, we're just going to have to have you on again at some point and just keep chatting because I've got my notes here of every everything that I would love to dive into more, <laughs> but um, uh, time won't allow it. Um, do you have my? I guess my last question for you is: um, Do you have a favorite bit or section from this material that uh, that you got that really got you excited? And um, uh, I know we've talked about like the the android class and the different locations in an adventure but what's your favorite piece the favorite piece of the adventure or any part of the book any part okay. of the book yeah <laughs> well i think my favorite part of the adventure and i think what i had the most fun writing um is that there is a segment and it's later on in the adventure story um called the winter fortress and it's kind of where the players are realizing um, where where the source of magic is and kind of what's going on. They don't know exactly what it is. Like there's still much to figure out, but it's starting to become clearer. Hmm. And there is a character, it's basically the Empress Mother. She's the protector of the source of magic and um she's obviously been tainted with something and she it gets very dark hmm. like to the point where it's downright creepy and you can just i ran this at gen con and you can just see the players faces they're just like Oh, that's messed up, man. You know, <laughs> and in that moment, they realize just how wrong things have gone, mm. and that they're and and just kind of the depth of the problem. And um, I think that moment for me, at least running that adventure, um, was kind of like that pivotal moment. Like I said, it was the look in the players' eyes. They're like, oh. There's something wrong with that lady. Yeah, there is something wrong with her. <laughs> yes, you are so. speaking. You are speaking to uh, to the home home team here. John and yeah. I love that. That's our favorite yeah. feeling the right there. You're, yeah, you're, that... you're talking my love language. That's what I'm saying. Here. That's, what, that's what I'm saying. That's, my love, that's right there. Yeah, like the, we've had many a conversation about how far is too far with your players. We're like, whoa, look, man. Yeah, I, I thought I was. I was looking for beer and pretzels and you gave me something way too dark. This this went Stephen King way too quickly. <laughs> a little reminiscent of like a Ravenloft kind of. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, more so for sure. I've I've definitely yeah. I've had some some pretty stout-hearted friends of mine that I've known for years that have sat at the table and they've they can handle the most gruesome movies and books and stuff like that and like I've had them, they're like, "Whoa, whoa, look, man, we're just gonna can we like put, can we dial it back just a little bit?" I think you went, and I'm like, "Oh my god, now I know where the line is with them." That was the last yeah. thing they should have told me. <laughs> and then I'm then then of course immediately preceding that is like, "Where are you getting this from? This like this is the last thing that we would have expected out of you." I'm like, "I don't know." I know, man, but that's what I like the big surprises. Throw me a curveball, man. Yeah. That's the best. Yeah, but. Yeah, I mean, we, did, we ran a campaign one time. One of the we had a player that he likes to push the envelope like that, and I think it was a shadow run campaign, and he played a serial killer. Hmm. Oh, there you go. It was uh, it was pretty dark. And a couple <laughs> times it was like, okay, okay, that's. 
Yeah. <laughs> too far. You've taken it yeah. too far. Yeah. There's a spot for all that though. In the right groups, you know, exactly. especially when you're comfy, you know, with uh um with with your with your home crew or something, you know, that's an opportunity to to some extent explore to some those, extent, yes. Yeah, explore those darker <laughs> creature characters. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a the well, I mean, it's kind of like the the George R R Martin effect, you know, of like you hate this character and then five pages longer later you hate George R R Martin for making you like the character that you hated five pages ago. And it's like yeah, you, that's you what do that great about that. Yeah. Uh, exactly, right? It's like but it's it's that whole that switch that happens and you're so like it's it's amazing. You're like I don't want to like this this character. To me that as a player that would be a really awesome challenge to be like how can I make this character like Dexter? you know, serial killer, but then you're like, why are you, you're rooting for this guy though. This guy, this is you like, know, this is Dahmer here. This is ridiculous. Yeah. yeah I love I'm that. actually experimenting with that right now. I'm, I'm actually writing a, uh, kind of, it's a short novelette. Um, it's, uh, the main characters, actually the antichrist. And she gives this scathing monologue at the beginning of the story. And I posted the monologue on my Facebook page and people were like, I love it. And I'm like, hoo, 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 uh, you guys all just said that you loved what the Antichrist just said. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, so <sighs> I wanted to make the character, the reader like that character yep. and then all of a sudden twist it. And yep. I'm like, OK, success. They <laughs> yeah. Well, from the origins of that of that individual, that that character in writing that's been their motif is that you know the silver tongue uh, absolutely so that that has it that type of character certainly has its place and mm -hmm. i would say probably has a really a really uh grand place in titan in a setting like titanholm yeah. um, where a charismatic person and a lack of law uh, are a very uh, volatile combination absolutely uh, Interesting. Well, hey, Ray, thank you so much um, thank you. for coming on here. Uh, I would encourage all of our listeners to uh, go check out Titan Home. That's T-I-T-A-N-H-O-L-M, Titan Home, on Kickstarter. It's going until October 1st. You can pick up the uh, hardcover copy for uh, – it's $30, right? Am I mm -hmm. saying that right? All right. I didn't have it in front of me, but it's 30 bucks. And uh, the PDF, if I'm remembering correctly, is that – Twenty dollars. I know there's several. Uh, there were several different. I think prices. it was twenty or twenty-five. I'd have to look at my tiers. But you can either choose just the setting, or you can get some of the, mecha the mechanics that are altered, or you can get the entire adventure. It's okay. up to you. Very cool. That's well, yeah, nice. I definitely, definitely, definitely recommend everybody go check it out, pick it up. Uh, I know uh, I'm a backer already, and I'm excited for this project to uh, fund. And I'm excited for follow-up, hopefully, maybe in the future. I'd love to see uh, this world kind of expand and get a line of its own, like you said. Like, um, it's always – there's always that hope when you're running a setting or you, you fall in love with a product that it gets fed with uh, more and more current content and becomes a world that feels alive. Um, so I'd be excited to do this. I'd be excited to maybe, uh, uh, run it with you at Gen Con someday. That sounds like a lot of fun. That sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> well, Hey, congratulations on, uh, winning your awards. Thank um, you. 
congratulations on a Kickstarter. And um, uh, if there's anything else you ever need, if you ever want to come back on, you just let us know and we'll make it happen. Will do. Well, hey, guys, uh, thank you so much for listening in to another episode. Uh, we appreciate you guys uh, staying with us so long. If you would, go check us out on Facebook if you haven't already. Um, you can go uh, check us out on Instagram as well at the Bite Size Gaming. Um, our podcast or our Kickstarter is also up and running still. It will be for about another 10 days. So uh, when this releases, it'll still have a few days left on it. Um, so you can go check out Captain Hartchild's Guide to Rare Dragons. And uh, and get yourself some new interesting uh, uh, creatures to drop into your game. Uh, but for, with that, my name is Zach. Uh, thanks to my co-host John and to our guest Ray. And we'll see you next week. Thanks everybody. Be safe out there. Happy gaming. Thanks.